Good morning. Good morning. So happy Easter. And Passover and Ramadan all on the same weekend. We kind of a harmonic convergence this weekend. And I'm told it's the first time in 30 years that all three of the Abrahamic faiths celebrate their spring holiday at the same time. Uh, I was raised Catholic, so um, I got lots of memories around Easter, and um, it's my favorite. Death and rebirth. Isn't it cool? We all have our death and rebirth holidays. At the same time of year, all the faiths, whether we know it or not. We had Buddha's birthday last week, as you guys know. Um, and boy, death and rebirth is popular in Buddhism, isn't it? Lots of rebirth. We call it reincarnation. But resurrection and rebirth is a really important thing for us. And this time of year, um, we get to kind of have a visceral sense of that, especially in this part of the country where everything so convincingly appears dead for months at a time. <laughs> Does that seem like a fair thing to say <laughs> about winter in Minnesota? I love you, Minnesota. <laughs> for nine months of the year. Um, I love the Easter story. I'm not going to talk about it today, but I, I really do love it. I really do love that the, the core of that story, um, the way it was taught to me was there was somebody at one point who was so aligned with truth that they refused to operate out of fear. And so the world killed him. But he was so aligned with love, he didn't stay dead. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know fear. I certainly know that feeling. And I also know that there's some part of me that deeply understands there is something that's true. And there is something that is love. And so you get to make a choice. I just think that's a cool myth, right? Not even death. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. It fits with our tradition, at least in my heart it does. Um, I think about this a lot. How much of the truth do I dare speak? When I know there's consequences, how much of that truth do I dare speak? How much of my life is controlled by fear? And there are some other really beautifully implied koans in stories about death and rebirth. Um, and in our Zen tradition, we might give it words like, um, your Buddha nature, the thing we call Buddha nature in the Zen tradition. Was that born with you? Do you imagine that, that was born with you? Which of course suggests, do you imagine that when you, when you die, the body part dies, the bones die, the ego part dies. Does that die then too? Is that like a death for all of you? That's actually a good question, right? So what part of you is subject to birth and death is what we're talking about. That's how Zen would say, oh, show me the part of you that's subject to birth and death. And now please show me the part of you that is not subject to birth and death. It doesn't really have to worry about the going away because there's a coming back and there isn't really a going away. Therefore, there isn't really a coming back. So show me those things, right? I'm using the word show me because that's the language of koans usually. Like the teacher's like, I don't want you to get up in your noodle and give me some abstract answer about, you know, some complicated new cosmology you've learned. I want you to be able to feel the way we do in this part of the country, how it was 
three months ago, how it felt three months ago, and how it feels today. Wow, I mean, there's a feeling there, right? I don't have ideas about tulips coming up. I have a feeling about tulips coming up. So that's the great koan of Easter, right? In all the infinite universes, there is only one thing that is not subject to destruction. Have you realized it? That's your koan today. We're done. <laughs> We're done. All right, so Easter. <clears throat> and Easter also explains why I have got to be out of here as soon as this talk is over because brunch, baby. <laughs> so here's what I want to talk about. <clears throat> um, I'm just going to talk about a short paragraph from the Riamonji newsletter. Some of you know Riamonji. It's a beautiful, um, uh, very beautiful Sotozan monastery in northeastern Iowa. It was founded by um, one of Katagiri Roshi's um, original 12 Dharma heirs who practiced at the center for many, many years, Shokan Weinkoff. Shokan Roshi now, I think. I'm not sure he would let me call him that, but I'll do it anyway. Um, it is open to the public, Riamonji. It is in, I think, Dorchester is the mailing address, although you can, is that right? Yeah. Google it. Um, attend some of their stuff. Listen to some of their talks, even if it's virtually. It's an unbelievable place, and there's some really beautiful dharma happening there. Especially if you're um, if you're really into like the Soto Zeniness of Soto Zen, and you really want to get a taste of like I can't fly all the way to Japan, but I want to at least get it. That's the place to go. Right, the place was built from the ground up by original floor plans. This stuff goes back at least eight hundred years. They didn't use any nails; it's only wooden pegs. It's Fantastic. <laughs> it is fantastic. So um, they send out this lovely little newsletter, you know, the way all of us Zen centers do. And um, <clears throat> their abbot, Shogun Weinkoff, usually has some reflections. And I love reading those reflections um, because, you know, he's been practicing Zen long enough now that he doesn't really bother with trying to be smart or clever, or at least my impression is he's just not trying to be fancy. He doesn't ask weird things like, in all the infinite universes, there's only one thing not subject to destruction. Have you realized it? That's what I just said. That's kind of a pretentious thing to say. <laughs> I get you're sitting on the seat, but he's kind of at the point where like, did you see the ducks? <laughs> in the pond? Yeah, that's my talk, baby. There's ducks in the pond. Do you get it? He's asking the same question, really. I mean, I'm throwing myself under the bus, but um, his language is very plain. And I've gotten to the point where I'm increasingly trusting the plain and the gentleness and the stillness that's underneath the plain. The simple. So what he's talking about was his, um, in this little paragraph that I'll read for you, his early experience here, sitting in the space that you're sitting in, or you know, 30 yards that way. <clears throat> Dainan Katagiri Roshi was the Zen teacher who came to the Midwest in 1973 and established the Minnesota Zen Meditation Center in Minneapolis. I was living in Minneapolis then. I wasn't looking for Buddhism. But when I first sat down on a Zen meditation cushion, I met myself and all the Buddhas and ancestors. It was all there. Wall sitting 
is to face yourself, to bring yourself in harmony with what is. It is to take care of what you are facing and to get beyond your take on things. This is the essential art of Zaza. Maybe I'll read it again. Dainan Katagiri Roshi was the Zen teacher who came to the Midwest in 1973 and established the Minnesota Zen Meditation Center in Minneapolis. I was living in Minneapolis then. I wasn't looking for Buddhism. But when I first sat down on a Zen meditation cushion, I met myself and all the Buddhas and ancestors. It was all there. Wall sitting is to face yourself, to bring yourself in harmony with what is. It is to take care of what you are facing and get beyond your take on things. This is the essential art of Zazen. So I think the reason I want to talk about this little paragraph today, I mean, it's self explanatory. There's nothing to add to it. It's not like you need me to do an exegesis here. You don't. It means exactly what he just said it meant. But I think the reason I want to talk about it is because it made me feel something. I really appreciated how quickly it went from the personal to the universal and how simple and how something as simple as wall facing, you know, it's a Sunday here, so we face him today. But, you know, normally we face the wall, right? This is Zen. We face the wall when we sit. And his language about that is so simple. And I realized, well, the reason I'm having a feeling is because there are a lot of depths in you, Busho, that are stirring in response to what he's saying. Right? We're really quick. I think this is a human thing. We're really quick to think, oh, that thing I just read was so wise. I'll give the wisdom to that thing. Wow, what a great author that guy was. Oh, what a great speaker that person was. Oh, she was so brilliant when she, that's what we do. We're taking something we recognize and feel and projecting it out and giving it to him. So my first thought was, wow, Shokin Roshi, he's my favorite. I just think he's so great. I have this bias for him. He's the very first person I ever met when I walked into the building. The very first person I ever met, the very first person I ever saw in my life who had no fur on his head and was wearing pajamas, right? And a bib and who bowed to me. Very first person, right? So I was like, wow. <laughs> now I look like him. It's like a you know cosplay or something, choking cosplay. <laughs> so of course I want to give that to him. And of course those things are true. But if there wasn't part of me that woke up and responded to it, I wouldn't have the response that I did. So that's mine. Go, back, go down in there and res respond to that, right? Instead of going like, oh my God, that band is amazing. Like, Figure out the feeling that you're having and be in relationship to that. The person sitting next to you isn't having that same feeling. Quit giving it to the band. They didn't create a feeling in you. They can't. No matter how hard they strong, they can't. The feeling's showing up. It's yours. Own it. Hold it. Relate to it. Ask questions of it. Tell it happy Easter. Give it a big... I'm going to have a donut later, so. <laughs> okay, so I'll talk about it. I met myself. <clears throat> I met myself. I was living in Minneapolis. Looking, I wasn't looking for booze. I first sat down on a Zen meditation cushion. I met myself. That's kind of what I just said, isn't it? Well, there's no Zen inside of you. How could there be? All, all we ever meet when we sit on these on these carefully sewn cushions 
regardless of whether we face the wall or not, we only ever meet ourselves. It's so simple, isn't it? Can you kind of feel that there's like all sorts of layers to that? You only meet yourself. The reason that's important is because a couple of lines from now, he's going to say something that I think is, it kind of implies something shocking about facing ourselves. But I think even the act of you choosing to come here on Easter Sunday or choosing to watch from home on an Easter Sunday, all of you dear ones who are watching from home, says something about you. You must have some intention. Must be some part of you that wants to know and be known. You must have a sense that there are corners of you that are in the dark that want to be illuminated. Voices in you that have not been heard, that want to be listened to. Pains in you, sufferings in you that are longing to be comforted. I'm guessing. It's a pretty good guess though, because you're humans. <laughs> I met myself. I met myself. Do you see how he's setting up? I met myself. So immediately go, who is it who is met? And who is it who is doing the meeting? Standard Zen, classic Zen, original Zen. Those are the kind of questions. Okay, so you met yourself. Who's the one doing the meeting? And what was just met? Who was just met? What are those things? Get clear about those things. I met myself. What I can feel, what I felt when I read that was, well, you came home again. Or you had at least the sense that you had approached the welcome mat to coming home again, right? You would at least approach the idea of coming back again. Like, oh, there you are. My God, I've missed you. I met myself. That's me adding that, but that's my sense. I met myself when I sat on the cushion. And all the Buddhas and ancestors. It was all there. This has an exclamation point on it. That's why I'm adding that little. It was all there. I don't know how he would say it. I met myself and all the Buddhas and ancestors. It was all there. So meeting yourself is meeting the whole thing. Wow. What I would love to do is get in a time machine and go back to 19. Well, I don't know the year he actually walked in, but let's pretend he showed up, you know, 1973 and watch him walk in like from a tree, we'd hide behind a tree, right? And watch him walk in and go, well, this is the thing he's going to write about in 65 years. And then wait till he comes out and go, what happened in there? <laughs> hey, what happened in there? <laughs> I doubt he would have just said, I just met myself and all the Buddhas and ancestors, it was all there. No, he probably would not. He probably was like, I don't know what just happened in that building. It was really weird. Everybody just sat still. No one said anything. We faced the wall. Someone rang a bell. We left. I had no idea. But something moved. Something, right? So who did the meeting and who was met? I know that he wouldn't have known the answer when he was that young. I know I don't know the answer when I am this young. But feeling our way into the importance of that question feels so, so, so big. So, of course, he's saying the tradition of Soto Zen was there. Big self was there, spaciousness is there, timelessness, compassion, wisdom. These are the, these are the words we use when we're talking about our inheritance as Zen. 
as Zen students, right? And the things that he's mentioning are not tangible. You know, they're not measurable in the conventional sense, uh, nor can they be located in space, nor can they be located in time. It was all there. What's the it and where's the there? Because it's not 3343 East Bede Parkway. That's not where those things are located. Wall sitting is to face yourself. That is beautiful. I met myself, he says, and then he goes on to say, wall sitting is to face yourself. So most of us know that. Most of us who have been hanging out at Zen centers for a while know that. Um, even if you are new to Zen, I suspect you've probably heard words that are similar to you just are with what is. You open yourself up to things as they are, things as it is. You're just with yourself. You face yourself. It's interesting to me that meeting himself was step one, but facing himself was step two. I don't know if he wrote it that way intentionally, but the word order is important to me because we meet a lot of stuff in our lives that we do not face. And speaking for myself, I can say, I meet a lot of stuff in my life that I do not face. That's just a true thing about me. And I'm guessing it's a true thing about all of us because I'm guessing that's one of the things we would share as part of our common humanity. There's a really big difference for me between reading the news and facing the news. To me, they feel really, really, really different. And one takes about five minutes and one takes the whole weekend or the whole week or a month or your life. That's how it is for me. One is about an initial contact and one is about a consciously made decision to engage with the truth. And in my experience, meeting is easy and facing is not. And my theory this morning anyway, on why facing is not easy is because facing is undefended. I can meet you and be pretty defended. You know what I mean by defended, right? Just ego defense, normal, not bad. It's politeness, it's normal. Hey, Cole, nice to meet you. I haven't seen you in a while. You look good, great, it's fine. But my heart in that moment might be very, very, very defended. It might not, but it might be very, very, very defended. This is the way most of us live most of our lives most of the time. I met myself there, but wall sitting is to face yourself. Can you kind of feel like I'm actually here to do the thing? If I'm really going to do that, I'm here to actually, I'm actually here to see it. I want to see it. I don't, but I do. I mean, come on, man. You took the bus all the way across town. <sighs> do the thing. There it is showing up. Please let yourself feel it. That's what you came here to listen to the party that's screaming. Come on, come on. I know you don't want to see it. That's what you're here for. 
You're in the room. Do you feel it? Like there's the room. The room was built for this. The tradition was built for this. All the people who have sat here before you did it for this. This is the thing. You're being supported. All the Buddhas, all the ancestors. Here you go. Can you kind of feel it? What you can hear is my internal monologue when I'm trying to talk myself up. <laughs> before Zazen, and one's like, yeah, I can kind of space out 45 minutes and don't remember know the difference. <laughs> yeah, I do it. Everybody does it. But to really face yourself, I'm like, wow, that's a high bar. They're really not kidding. That's why suddenly this is a religious place. It's a religious building. It's a religious tradition. Truth, life, death, rebirth. These are no kidding topics. We kind of have to engage them in a no kidding way. I don't mean a somber. I don't mean that. I mean, it is that sometimes. I mean, joyful, but joy is serious. Right? Don't you think? Watch a kid playing sometimes. That's serious. <laughs> Even when they're laughing their heads off, that is a, they are in it. That is a serious thing they're doing. Play, joy, zen. These are in the same family, you know? So while sitting in the Soto tradition, because it's Buddhism, right? Everything goes back to suffering. Is to sit and really directly face, oh, there's my greed. There's my hate. There's my delusion. There's my favorite three, the three biggies. Our three greatest hits, three poisons. There they are again. I guess I get to investigate those. I want to know them without distractions, without painkillers, no spoons full of sugar. My humanity, my karma, trapped in time, birth and death, the burning world. Oof. My own news feed is far more terrifying <laughs> than... <laughs> Then, right? I'm saying that as I'm smiling because that's a funny thing to say. I'm also telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Wow. I promise hell does not exist outside of me. <clears throat> so, uh, wall sitting is to bring yourself in harmony with what is. And there's another exclamation point there, he says. So, he's told us that wall sitting is facing ourselves. Most of us have a sense of what that is, undefended facing. So we're left with that wonderful question. Well, then what is face and who does the facing? We're right back where we started. Who's watching and what's being watched? We need a clue. And so he's going to remind us, while sitting is to bring yourself in harmony with what is. He's helping us do this difficult thing. He's telling us what spirit to do it with. Because harmony just means nonviolence. Nonviolence. Harmonious sitting. Can you feel there's a feeling in that word harmony? To bring yourself in harmony with what is. To work with it. That's harmony, right? To work with it. To relate to it. Can you feel it to hold its hand? This is feeling like harmony to me. It means non-judgment. That which I observe is not my enemy. I come to it, when I say undefended, I also mean unarmed, right? If I'm armed, I'm defended. So wow, that naked heart, what's implied there, I will bring myself in harmony with what is. And with what is really does mean what is. So we gotta get pretty clear about the difference between what is and what I want to be. It's easy to bring myself into harmony with what I want to be. In fact, I could describe to you the reality that I very much want to be in harmony with. Oh my God, I'm really good at that. 
that could be a whole other talk. It could be like a week I can talk to you about the world that I would love to be in harmony with and how easy it would be to be in harmony with that world. It would be like getting into a warm bath, right? But that's not the invitation of Zen. No, 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 no. I know we all have the dream. This is about you're going to sit with and you are invited to be in harmony with the one that is, the one that is showing up in front of you. Wow. It is not what I prefer. It is not what I desire. It is not what I wish for. It is not what I want. To harmonize with what is is a wildly brave aspiration, a complete willingness to drop off body and mind and radically accept the nature of our human experience just as it is. And how is it? The first noble truth of Buddhism minces no words. It is characterized by suffering, resistance, longing, desire, greed, aversion, misunderstanding. And that's what we are called upon to harmonize with. For those of you watching on Zoom, everybody's leaving now. They're just filing out of the window as well they should. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Nobody files out when we say stuff like that. That says something about you. I know I'm kidding, but doesn't that say something about you? You know what this room is for. You chose to come here. Happy Easter. That's freaking beautiful. Mm. That is what we're called upon to harmonize with. Why? This is basic Buddhism, because to say no to relationship with those dimensions of our experience is to refuse to relate with what is. Right? I'm sitting in the cushion and I am irritated. I refuse to relate with my irritation because I don't want it to be there. I have just now defiled Zaza. I did exactly the opposite of what I said I was going to come here to do in that moment. Now, on any given 40-minute period of Zaza, I will probably do that 20 or 30 times before I catch it and remember, right? You know how you do. Like, oh, I'm thinking about later on. Thinking about that donut. Come back, sweetie. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know how you do, right? You've all sat, you know. Back, da, da. You miss the market, come back. You miss the market, come back. You miss the market, come back, right? <clears throat> but if I'm refusing to relate to dimensions of my experience, I am defiling Zazen. Those are strong words, but why not? That is to ignore Bodhisattva vows, and it is to close the door on any possibility of harmonizing, and therefore the ancestors disappear, the Buddhas disappear. I'm back to wasting my time as usual. I refuse to relate to what is. Okay, well, it's not Zen anymore, so off you go. Now you're just doing what you did in the car and the one here. And this happens a lot. Of course it does. So how do we bring ourselves in harmony with what is? As, as he is now in the habit of doing, Shogun gives us a clue. He immediately answers his own implied question. It is to take care of what you are facing and get beyond your take on things. Take care of what you're facing. Take care of what you're facing and get beyond your take on things. We harmonize by taking care of what we are facing. It isn't complicated. It's actually simple. It feels to me when I'm sitting and something difficult arises and I'm awake enough in that moment to remember, oh, my job is to take care of this thing. 
that what that means is I have to remember that I'm not that thing, that I'm the one who's there to take care of it. That's a really simple moment that happens in a quarter of a second or something probably. But you know how like, oh, sad, I'm so sad, I'm so sad. And then, oh, sadness is here. Oh, I can take care of it. Do you feel that now I'm not the sad? I'm the one who's relating to the sad. Oh, I'm so angry today. Oh my God, oh, I can't believe it. Right? Oh, anger is arising. There it is. I see it. I see it. I can take care of it. Oh, anger is present. Can you feel it? There's just a little space there now. I'm not the anger. I'm the one caring for the anger. I'm not the lonely. I'm the one caring for the lonely. I'm not the confused. I'm the one caring for the confused. Right? Greed, hate, ignorance. Those are things that need to be cared for by me. I have to care for them in order to transform them, right? That's what we're here to do. We're not here to successfully run from those things. That's just not how it works. I mean, it doesn't work anyway. All of us know we've been running from that stuff our whole lives. It doesn't work. If it worked, we wouldn't be at a Zen center. Holy cow, would we not be here? Oh, I can relate to those things. I'm the one who's seeing them. I see you greed. I am not greed. But greed is here. I can care for it. Oh, it wants something. Can you kind of feel that? Oh, anger is here. Oh, anger. Oh, I know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anger is here. I'm not anger, but I can care for it. So all of a sudden, suddenly I just have a two-year-old in my hands. Right? I just have a kid. I have a memory. I have a toddler. I have a piece of my karmic conditioning. I've got a pattern. I have a knot in the thread of my life that's shown up. Oh, there you are. I get it. I can take care of you. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a feeling, right? I mean, feelings are actually not that big of a deal. <laughs> I'm laughing because of how nervous I was driving all the way here today. And if you had told me 45 minutes or an hour ago, oh, you know, you're really nervous, but that's not that, not that big of a deal, I probably would have gestured to you in a very unhelpful fashion. <laughs> <laughs> easy to say. Easy to say. Easy to talk about. Hard to do, right? Yeah. Easy to talk about. It's just anger. It's just lonely. It's just heartbreak. It's just confusion. It's just, it's just, it's just. But it is true. It is true. Of course, the pain is real. Of course, the resistance is real. Of course, the constriction is real. But isn't it cool? Isn't it really honestly very, very cool to go, I faced something. I allowed it to show up. I saw it. I related to it lovingly. I spent some time tracing it back. Where are you coming from? What's this about? Oh, that's what this is about, right? Then suddenly mindfulness is married to some understanding, and now suddenly we have awareness, right? The Buddha didn't just stop with be mindful of body and breath. He went on to say, oh, and also emotions and also impulses and also thoughts, and I need you to bring your karma into view, and I need you to understand this whole, like, oh, no, no, we're going to understand all of it. We're going to understand it, right? I'm not talking about getting up in your head necessarily, but you got to use this, baby. This organ is incredibly powerful and super, super helpful when it's serving your heart. So yes, please do understand. What is that fear actually about? What does it actually go back to? Can you relate to that lovingly? Can you understand how it's actually trying to do something for you? That it isn't an enemy? You can put that sword down. You're safer than you thought you were. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm describing the process of getting bigger. This is what you do. All of you. This is what you do when you allow yourself to actually harmonize with what is. Oh, I see it. I'll stop saying no. I'll start saying yes. And that means I have to stretch to accommodate it. 
I'm the one who has to stretch. Oh, I don't like this one. Can you feel that you're small in that moment? When you see the next headline in the news feed and go, I don't want that one. I don't blame you, man. I don't either. But can you feel I'm the small right now? Going, mm. going no, stop. Where's your body? Where's your breath? Where's their heart? It's right there in the center of your chest. And it's a million times bigger than you think it is. And you can actually stay with that. Let yourself feel it. Oh my God, I'm scared. Yeah, I bet you are. I bet you are. It's okay to be scared. Can you breathe with that for, then what else? Oh, but I'm also angry. What's happening over there? I'm thinking of the Ukraine. Doesn't matter. It could be anything in your newsfeed. And it's just this whole show arises from the center of your chest of anger, hopelessness, memories of despair, powerlessness, memories of not being heard, not being seen, being violated, being ignored. Sadness shows up, heartbreak shows up, outrage shows up. Yeah. But you are a wall facer. You are a Zen student. You watch yourself get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I can start to relate to all those parts of myself with a little bit more love. Wow. I've just changed the world by doing that. You've just changed the world. Otherwise, we just keep responding from the same small heart. We just keep doing it. That's what makes this room such an amazingly brave place to be. So it makes you such amazingly brave people sitting in the Zendo. You guys are sitting in the Zendo too. Everybody's in the Zendo. Okay. All right. I got to start getting close here. Um, <clears throat> the Buddhas and ancestors, it is all right here. I think I'm going to close with that today. I think I'm going to close with that today. Um, I had another bit I wrote, but I don't know. That felt alive yesterday. It doesn't feel alive to me right now. The Buddhas and ancestors, it was all there. So we get to say the Buddhas and ancestors are all here. Because, yeah, they're not limited to time or space. So we get to say that they're here with us. My experience um, is when I'm sitting zazen, or I'm driving my car, or I'm making a salad, whenever the witness comes back online and you suddenly become the one watching the thing that you're doing, right? Some of you know that feeling of like, oh, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, I'm watching to myself, right? Just the light goes on for just a moment. Um, there's a hint that there's something bigger than the normal busho in the room now. And when Shokin says, I went to that place and I met myself and I faced myself and the Buddhas and ancestors were all there. Um, my sense is that that part that wakes up and goes, oh, I see it. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. My sense is that that's them. That's me. That's, <laughs> this is where words get really clumsy. Zen's a tough thing to talk about. You know what I mean? The big part of you, the part of you that isn't bound. Big part, big mind, we call it in Zen. Spaciousness, boundarylessness, Buddha nature, the figure behind me on the altar, whatever. The part of you that's watching like, oh, I see it. I see it. I see it. They're the Buddhas and the ancestors. And there isn't a gap 
just like Shokan Roshi is, is promising us, to meet myself, to face myself, is to meet and to face the Buddha ancestors. It's all of us, right? So there really is a sense, and I don't mean this in an abstract way that I want you to put an idea in your head or a belief. That's the last thing you need, <laughs> another one of those, right? I'm talking about the experience. I wanna know if you've had the feeling of even for three breaths at a time, meeting some small scared part of you with some large caring part of you or kind part of you or patient part of you. That moment, do you have a sense that there's a human there who's hurting and then there's something else who's going, oh, I say yes to you. I don't need to define what that is, but I'm like, that's the way Zen has always talked about the Buddhas and the ancestors. They're not talking about a long lineage of people going back in time on planet Earth. I mean, that's, no, 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 no. This is Zen. No, no, no. We're talking about a quality of consciousness, what you really are, what we actually are. Awakeness itself, consciousness itself. <sighs> Right? The big wave, way before the little particle. This is the big, right? Wow. And my particle, my particle is just scared most of the time and constricted most of the time and defended most of the time and wants to be met. And I just start to think of the part of me that is able for three breaths at a time to go, oh, there you are, there you are. I start to imagine, oh, yeah. Now, there's a little part of me that's in accord with this thing. The Buddhas and the ancestors. Suddenly the communion of saints is happening. Okay, there, I can access it too. Right, that's who I actually am. I am the kindness with which I meet my pain. I'm the forgiveness with which I meet my anger and my hate and my greed. I'm the wisdom with which I meet my misunderstanding. Boy, I need that medicine. And so our tradition from the very beginning is that you are that Buddha and those ancestors, exactly as much as anyone who has ever lived. Everything, everywhere, all at once. No effort, no problem. It is okay. You are safe. You are safe. Zen tells you that. Isn't that funny? You're safe. You can do the brave inquiry. You can do it because you're safe. You're safe beyond all of your ideas of safety. Infinitely beyond all of your ideas of safety. That's how safe you are. And you're way safer than that. You are safe. You cannot miss this mark. Failure is not possible. But when you make a choice and when you surrender to self-awareness and you choose a path of self-reflection and you choose a path of nonviolence and you choose a path of harmony and you choose a path of a path of facing, it just makes it easier. That's all. It's a brave and kind thing to do. It makes it easier. But it's not like you'll miss if you don't. It's okay. It's okay. And so I will close with a reminder. <clears throat> And I capitalized the word reminder on my page. <laughs> there are people who care about this beautiful and suffering world. 
and some don't do it from afar in the abstract. They love it up close and personal with full hearts and dirty hands. They do this facing and loving most powerfully and most directly by caring for their own precious inner lives. And after more than 2,500 years, walking a spiritual path is still a choice that people make. It is still a loving response to this world and to the human condition that people still choose. Our practice is a steady, gentle, courageous, fierce, sincere, unique, and collective facing of what is. And it helps us to more deeply experience and appreciate our precious and fleeting lives. So I feel um, really grateful to be here today. I feel really connected to everybody in this room. I feel really connected to all of you watching from home. I feel connected to my neighbors who are um, at the mosque this weekend, who are at the church this weekend, who are doing mass this weekend, who are at the synagogue this weekend, death and rebirth. All those feel like some kind of kindness, at least a, at least a trying just like we're doing. So I thank you. I thank you very sincerely for listening. I thank you for your practice. Um, yeah, happy Easter. And we have time. <clears throat> it is 20 to 11, so we have time for uh, folks to chime in if you've got questions um, or experiences in this room or at this center you want to share or Observations about the season. Do I need to worry about this part? I don't. Okay. Oh, look, they're waving. They're so friendly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Please. Um, my name is Jay. Hi. Um, I think my question might sound kind of like zen and abstract, but I don't mean it to be. That's okay. Um, how do you know when the thing that's taking care of the small, scared part of you is something inside of you? And how do you know when it's something larger? Uh, it's always both. That's a great question. Did you hear? Um, the re that is a zenny question. It's a good one. And my, did you hear how zenny my answer was? That was a super zenny answer. I, was I know. It happens in this room. Neither one of us are to blame. Um, I love that question. And I'm, I, 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 if I was really wise, I just would have said, just said that. ask it again in a year. Um, but no, not being glib. I think it is, a, of course, it's a quality of ourselves. And is it outside of ourselves? Yes. But also no, and I, and I and I that is a zenny trippy thing to say. I know, but I don't mean it's any trippy because I can feel you're not asking it from that place. Um, I think one of the most so for me this is I can just speak for myself. I think one of the most shocking things about Zen um, 
is that it just refuses <laughs> so repeatedly, so consistently to ever argue for your smallness. It just goes so far out of its way. So that, that infinite thing, that's you. It's right there. Always, always has been. Always been. <laughs> So the size of the kindness and the quality of the affection and the depth of the wisdom <coughs> and the ferocity of the compassion, like that's you, that's you, that's you. Please don't. Remember at the beginning, I was kind of talking about, okay, I'm going to project onto Shogun all of his wisdom. And they say, please don't do that. <coughs> um, so I, I actually think in practice, in the moment, it probably doesn't matter much. I don't think that we have to understand it really. I think what's the most important for me is that the part of me that, the, the human part of me, the ego part of me, the, the birth and death part, the body part, that so needs to be regarded and held, is regarded and held. And the question of, was that me or is it something larger than me or a part of me? I don't know. I don't know the answer and I don't know that I, I don't know that I need to know. I don't know. I'm probably, am I making it worse? I think I'm making it, maybe I'm making it worse. <laughs> well, I guess maybe one, like a more concrete way of asking a question would be like, how do you know when to turn inward? They're suffering, and how do you know when to seek support outside of yourself? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer. No, it's great because I can say the same thing again. <laughs> Both. Both. <laughs> Always both. That's such a great question. But I do know. But I. But I get the spirit here, and that's a great. It's. It's that. It's that sense of. Um, if I'm hearing you right, that sense of like because it's always mine, it's always mine. And yet, can you hold me for a while because I have this thing? Can you help me because I have this thing? Feels like a really loving thing to ask for. The, the metaphor um, that my teacher usually uses on this is the crying baby. And I'm holding this crying baby who is colicky and will not quit. And I'm realizing I'm at the edge of what I can handle because I'm a human being and I have an edge and that's as much as I can handle. So some part of me like, Go, no, please take this and maybe get in a car and drive a far way away. <laughs> That'd be good, right? Like, so that's, that's behavior number one. And that's what we most often do with our suffering, right? Does that make sense? I'm, I want to offload it. So that means distract from it or give it somebody else or uh, drug myself so I don't feel it or put on headphones. I mean, there's just a million ways that we are not present to our experience, right? So the invitation of Zen is, oh, no, Buster. You're not passing that baby off. <laughs> but what you can ask for is, will you come and sit with me? Or could you put your arm around me while I'm holding this thing? I'm really having a hard time. I am struggling here. Can you hold me while I hold this? That feels different to me than it's not mine, it's yours. Because of course it's always mine. And the baby metaphor sort of stops here because at a certain point it's like, God, get a babysitter. Head off, <laughs> take the night, you know, that's just a loving thing to do. It's just a metaphor. But I really do feel most of the first, I don't know what it is for other people. Other people can chime in. For me, probably the first decade, I'm going to guess, sitting on the cushion, was offloading. Offloading, offloading, offloading. I don't want to relate to it, and I'm going to offload it. 
That's just what I did. I didn't know that I was doing that. But every time I went, I'm not going there, I'm coming back here. Instead of it being a, no, 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 don't run, come home. It was a, I don't want to be home. I'm going to run. And do you feel how subtle that can be on the cushion? Oh, God, I'm sad. Ignore that body and breath. It's like, ooh. Ooh, you've got a correct teaching. And do you see what you're doing with that correct teaching? You've just weaponized it against yourself. And I did a lot of that, all of us do, right? So that feels a little bit more like, no, I want Zazen to hold me while I hold this. I want to come to this space to hold me. I want to sit next to people like you and you and you because you can help hold me. I, I, I meet myself and I want to face myself. And so I'm going to need all the Buddhas and all the ancestors to come gather around me and go, we're going to take care of you while you do this because we know it's hard. You're having a human experience. And oh man, is that a rough thing to do? First noble truth. This is really hard. So I don't know. Now I'm riffing again. Is that helpful? Oh yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, anything else or should we do announcements? <clears throat> all right. Thank you all. <laughs>